chapter 21. We read here the word of God. After the Lord Jesus appeared to the disciples, we read, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two others of the disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast a net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went abroad, aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish, this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper, and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that the disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it, is not, if it is my will that he remain until I come, 
What is that to you? This is a disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Thus far the reading from God's holy word. 15 through to 22. Let us read those verses once again. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and neither will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw a disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper, and had said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. That's far. After proclamation of the Lord's word, we will sing from hymn 61. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, clearly our text of this afternoon follows on the heel of the previous event as our text begins when they had finished breakfast. You see, the Lord Jesus had just taught his disciples and through them also all true Christians, including us, that they could only be true followers of the Lord Jesus, be true witnesses of him and of his gospel of salvation as he was about to send out his disciples into the world if they first of all not only confess him Lord of all, Lord of their entire lives, but also confess him as host of their lives, the one who supplies for them generously, which they must then also receive with believing hearts. You know, as a host of a family, of a home that you visit, the host tries to make you feel at home and gives you all that you stand in need of and sometimes even more than you stand in need of. So Christ has a will supply for every need. And disciples and through them, all Christians must learn that they can fully and completely rely on Him. And so they were to constantly also eat and drink from his broken body and and shed blood, and so be nourished and strengthened in the faith, as also illustrated in the eating of the bread and the fish, which the Lord gave to his disciples at breakfast time in order to be living and faithful witnesses of the gospel. Now, 
While the previous episode has a message of its own, it also sets the stage for what happens next. The Lord Jesus, while teaching all the disciples and all his followers, the Lord Jesus had a special message for Peter. Indeed, in our text, all focus appears to be on Peter being reinstated into office. Peter is a disciple of the Lord Jesus and will soon be among the apostles of the Lord Jesus who will be sent out to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus once the Holy Spirit has been poured out on Pentecost. He too will be among those who will lay the foundation stones of the New Testament church. Now it can be said, since Peter is to be reinstated into the special office, it is probably more appropriate to preach this text when we have an installation of new office bearers. However, as you know, from Lord's Day 12, question answer 32 of a Heidelberg Catechism, having become Christ's followers, Christ's confessors, we have taken on the name Christian. And thus we have the same offices as our Lord Jesus Christ. We too are prophet, priests, and kings, which we share in Christ. We have the, the office of what is called the office of all believers. And so as prophets, we, we confess his name. And as priests, we live a living sacrifice for him. And as kings, we fight against sin, the devil, and our own flesh. And so Lord now has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light of salvation. And having now called us out of darkness, he wants us now to share that light of salvation. The light of the love of God and Jesus Christ that is now in our lives to others around about us particularly to those whom the Lord has placed in our lives. He wants us to care for one another's salvation, to uphold and, and assist one another, and so be shining lights for Christ in this world to God's glory. That is how the Lord Jesus wants us to follow him, having restored us and reconciled us to the Father through his shed blood on the cross. And so as we examine the reinstatement or the restoration of Peter as a special disciple of the Lord Jesus, we are reminded of our own reinstatement, our own restoration, of once again becoming children of our Heavenly Father, adopted in the precious blood of Christ shed on Golgotha. Christ, having bought us with his precious blood, now also lays a call on our lives to follow him all the days of our lives until death does us part from this life. And so, brothers and sisters, I may proclaim to you the word of God this afternoon as follows. In confronting Peter, the Lord Jesus also teaches us what it means to follow him. And we'll see four points. Number one, sin must be addressed. Number two, the church must have our concern. Number three, there will be crosses on our path. And lastly, each must follow Christ in their own genuine way. <clears throat> so first of all, in confronting Peter, the Lord Jesus also teaches us what it means to follow him. Sin must be addressed. <clears throat> now some would argue that the issue here is not at all about Peter being reinstated into the disciplehood of our Lord Jesus. They would have us note that the Lord Jesus already appeared to Peter privately, even before he appeared to all the other disciples 
when the Lord Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Secondly, in Luke 24, verse 34, the 11 disciples and others with them had exclaimed to the two men who had just arrived on, on the road to Emmaus, they exclaimed to them, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Evidently, it was very important to the other disciples that the Lord Jesus had first appeared to Simon Peter before all the other disciples. To them, it must have meant that the Lord Jesus had made everything all right between Peter and himself. Thirdly, we are told in John 20, verse 21, when the Lord Jesus appeared to all disciples on the, on the first evening after his resurrection, then the Lord Jesus, when he appeared among them, he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Could the Lord Jesus have made such a statement? Peace be with you. I am sending you with Peter among them. If the relationship between him and Peter was not yet straightened out. For Lord Jesus has always been quite upfront, quite forthright with respect to sin. He was not afraid to expose sin for what it was. And thus it is said by some that the issue is not really so much reinstatement, but setting the criteria necessary for an office in the Lord, particularly the special offices of the church, but also for the office that we hold altogether, the office of all believers as Christians, namely the criteria of self-denial, a total denial of oneself, as well as a, a deep, solid commitment of wanting to serve the Lord and Him alone, of wanting to love Him with our whole heart, mind, and strength. And yet it can also be asked, if the Lord had already forgiven Peter, then why this episode? In which the Lord Jesus appears to admonish Peter for his threefold denial, after which, upon Peter's confession of repentance, the Lord Jesus invites him to take care of a sheep. Therefore, things could not be entirely well between the Lord Jesus and Peter. Why? Because, first of all, sin had not yet been dealt with. And secondly, we must remember that Peter had not sinned against the Lord privately, but publicly. He had disgraced the Lord Jesus publicly when he disowned the Lord Jesus three times. And thirdly, Forgiveness is a legal position between two parties where the one who forgives no longer holds the sin done against him, against the offender. But that does not necessarily mean that the relationship is, as, is the same as before. No. And so, the Lord Jesus in his heart may well have forgiven Peter. For he had glanced over to Peter when, Peter, when the cock crowed and Peter had denied him three times. And he saw how Peter was broken up, was so sorry for his sin. And those who are contrite of heart, the Lord does forgive, Psalm 51. But while the sin may be forgiven, it will yet take time to restore the relationship. Notably, the Lord Jesus goes back to the very beginning. As he's about to rebuild the relationship with Peter. Remember, that the beginning of their relationship began one day when the Lord Jesus was walking on the shores of Galilee. There you saw two brothers, 
Simon called Peter and, and his brother Andrew, for they were casting out nets into the lake, for they were fishermen. The Lord Jesus had called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately Simon Peter and Andrew dropped their nets and followed the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus here in our text again calls Peter to follow him. In fact, twice does the Lord Jesus tell Peter to follow him. And second time, even more emphatically, you must follow me in verse 22. That is the flavor of the Greek word used here. However, it is important to note here too, brothers and sisters, that the Lord Jesus addresses Peter not as Simon Peter or as Peter, but as Simon, son of John. The Lord Jesus did not address Peter as Peter because Peter means rock. And Peter had filled up, failed to live up to that name. He was not yet solid in his conviction. The Lord Jesus, by calling Peter here Simon, son of John, is pointing Peter to his own limitation. That he was a sinner, born of a sinner. And so Simon, on his own, will always be Simon the sinner. And as he will always keep this name, Simon, so he will never have the capacity in himself to rise beyond being a sinner. But the Simon who would trust himself in a new relationship with the Lord Jesus will become Simon Peter again. That is, Simon the rock from whose witness and leadership Christ can build his church. Now the Lord Jesus addresses Peter three times. The first time the Lord Jesus asked, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? The more than these is not referring to the fishing boats and, and the fishing tackle. The Lord Jesus is not asking Peter here whether he would give up his job, his love for fishing, to follow him. No, here the Lord Jesus is going back to those, those boastful words of Peter, which Peter spoke back in Matthew 26, when Peter said, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. That was a very bold statement. That statement indeed indicates that Peter really loved the Lord Jesus, not so? More than all the other disciples. For if all the other disciples would fall away, Peter swore that he would not fall away. One would say that that does show how much Peter loved the Lord Jesus. However, the problem was that Peter was relying on his own strength. Peter was not humble. The Lord Jesus had just pointed out in a miraculous catch of fish that humility, denial of one's own ability, and reliance on God's power and blessing is absolutely necessary to be in Christ's service. But Peter boasted in his own strength, and he fell. As the Lord Jesus once said, those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Peter denied the Lord Jesus even three times because he was afraid of people. He did not trust in the Lord's protection, but he chose rather to deny the Lord when the pressure got too great for him, when he feared for his own life. You see, such a person will not be a worthy servant in the service of the Lord. In the gathering and defending and preserving Christ's church, not in the office of all believers, and certainly not in the special offices of the church. Such a person would rather be a hindrance to the Lord 
Such a person has more love for himself than for the Lord. This speaks to the, to the office bearers who must not succumb to the pressure of, of family members and friends when decisions need to be made in the consistent room concerning the shepherding of the flock. But this also speaks to all of us as congregation members as we exercise the office of all believers. For Christ has also said, He who loves father or mother, brother or sister, etc., more than me, is not worthy of me. You see, the Lord Jesus seeks Peter's total commitment. Otherwise, Peter would not be able to serve him fruitfully. And the Lord Jesus now also seeks our total commitment. Otherwise, we will not be able to serve him productively either. Further, before Jesus can truly be followed and served in a way that is pleasing to our Lord, the sin in our lives must be addressed. The Lord Jesus is insistent on this, even to the point of Peter being hurt, when the Lord Jesus asks him the question a third time. True repentance can be a very painful matter. Confession of guilt is a painful thing. It hurts to confess sin. It is so embarrassing. It is so humbling. Yet it is also so necessary. As Hebrews 12 says, For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And verse 14 of the same chapter says, Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. We must deal with sin in our lives. The sin of not always being totally committed to our Lord. The sin of allowing the pressures of this world to cause us to twist or to neglect the holy laws of the Lord. Sin in our lives must be addressed if we are to follow the Lord Jesus in a way that will be fruitful, rewarding, and God-glorifying. And so, here as the Lord Jesus asks of Peter, so he's also asking of each and every one of us here present. My son, my daughter, do you truly love me more than these? That is, more than anyone, anything in this world? What would be your answer, brothers and sisters? Young peoples? Boys and girls? Let's have a look at the second point. The church must be our concern. Now the word love is used here seven times by Lord Jesus in his questions to Peter and in Peter's answers to the Lord Jesus' question. However, the ESV translation does not capture two different words for love used here in the original Greek language, namely the words agapio and filio. The Lord uses agapio in his first two questions to Peter, but not in the third question to Peter. But Peter, however, responds with the word filio constantly. Why would the Lord use agapio the first two times, but no longer the third time? Well, agapio carries more the sense of total commitment, total self-denial, a self-sacrificial love. While filio carries with it the sense of fondness, affection, and embracing love. So what the Lord Jesus is asking of Peter is a total commitment, a complete self-denial, a sacrificial love for him. But Peter does not want to use this word for love. 
Thereby the Lord Jesus sees that Peter has become humble. Peter no longer boasts in himself. Basically, Peter is saying, Lord, I'm no longer able to say that of myself. I'm no longer able to deny myself and to sacrifice for you on my own strength. I tried that once, but I failed terribly. You see, the Lord Jesus had been very merciful to Peter. And he accepted Peter in the gathering of all the other disciples. But will Peter sin this sin again? Had Peter's heart changed, Peter is still a leader among the disciples. Was he going to boast in himself again? Or had he learned to boast only in the Lord and in the Lord's strength? With this answer of Peter, the Lord Jesus knew that Peter had been humbled and that he no longer dared to boast in himself. Peter answered that he was very fond of the Lord, that he loved the Lord deeply, and that he wanted to embrace the Lord with all his heart, all his soul, all his mind and strength, and that the Lord knows all hearts, knows that. And then the Lord Jesus asked Peter the same question a second time, but this time leaving out more than these. In other words, Peter, are you prepared to commit your whole self to me, to deny yourself completely, and so sacrifice your life for me, not just more than the disciples, but in everything? Do you love me more than people and everything in this life? Again, Peter answered the same way. Peter is not prepared to boast himself, but he loves the Lord Jesus very much, and he's not embarrassed to tell the Lord Jesus so either. And then the Lord Jesus asked Peter a third time. But this time the Lord Jesus uses the same word that Peter does. Are you fond of me, Peter? Do you embrace me as your own? That is basically what the Lord Jesus is now asking of Peter. Lord Jesus sees that Peter is grieved that he's asked a third time. Genuine grief is a true sign of remorse for one's sin. Peter must have realized that with this third question, that the Lord Jesus was reflecting on his denial of the Lord Jesus three times. Peter knew that the Lord Jesus knows his heart. But the Lord Jesus would ask him three times, was so that Peter would remember that awful thing that he had done against the Lord and show now genuine remorse. Only when there is genuine remorse for sin are we again in position to be useful and diligent servants of the Lord in his kingdom. Only one who knows himself to be a forgiven sinner can be fruitful in Christ's church. Only one who knows how graciously he has been forgiven can be there in a very positive way for other sinners who are struggling also with their sin. And that is true for the, the special offices as office bearers, as well as for the office of all believers, which we all hold. As we are to be there for one another, assisting one another, and encouraging one another. Only those who have come to know themselves as grace and forgiveness sinners will be able to feed Christ's lambs and sheep, take care of Christ's flock in a gentle in firm manner, not yielding to the cultural influences of our time, yet able to place himself in the struggle of the sinner. In answer to Peter's confession that he loves the Lord Jesus with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, the Lord Jesus told Peter to feed my lambs, to tend or shepherd my sheep, and to feed my sheep. Clearly, the Lord Jesus' concern was not just for Peter's restoration, but also for his church. Christ loves each and every one of us individually, but he also loves his church corporally. 
And because his church is one body with many members, we are also to be concerned for one another's salvation. Peter, having come to know Christ's gracious forgiveness, is now to share this wonderful love of God in Christ with the little lambs. Perhaps the Lord Jesus had the children in mind, the youth perhaps, or or perhaps those who are, are yet new to the faith. With respect to the former, the office bearers are therefore to oversee that parents do bring up their children in accordance to the baptismal fund vows. That is, raise their children in, in fear and love for the Lord and so instruct them in the doctrine of Holy Scripture and have them instructed therein to the best of their ability. Thus, feeding the lambs in the congregation is first of all a parental matter in the office of all believers. We are first of all to see to that we raise our household in the fear of the Lord, that we instruct our children well, that we spend time with our children, that we teach them how to read and to pray, and we read and pray with them, do devotions together. The Lord Jesus then also told Peter to take care of a sheep. This is a reference to shepherding of the whole congregation of the Lord. And that is, of course, a particular task of the office bearers. However, brothers and sisters, when we exercise the office of all believers well, we can make the work of the office bearers a whole lot lighter and a whole lot more pleasant. If each and every one of us would shepherd our own souls by faithfully doing devotions, family devotions and individual devotions, and faithfully attending Bible study, and faithfully submitting to the regular preaching of God's holy word, then the Spirit of God would cause us to flee from sin and cause us to walk increasingly in holiness and godliness. That would make the work of the office bearers a whole lot lighter and a whole lot more pleasant. And if we would be exercising mutual discipline, according to Matthew 18, with love and compassion, not in a self-righteous or haughty manner, and without consideration of family and friends, then that too would make the work of office bearers a whole lot lighter and a whole lot more pleasant. Lord does not only care for the congregation, give the care to the congregation to the special office of the, of the office bearers, but it is first of all starts with us, the office of all believers. He knows himself to be a gracious, forgiven sinner who wants to draw others out of their struggle for, with sin then we'll also be concerned for his or her salvation. And then the Lord Jesus repeats a third time, feed my sheep. Now the care for the congregation can only come through feeding the sheep with the faithful preaching and teaching of God's holy word. Care for one another is not pushing around our own opinions, our own thoughts, but it is sitting down with one another, opening up the scriptures together, humbly submitting together in prayer before God's throne of grace and mercy our struggles. Then the church of Christ will be fed and grow. Christ's church, Christ church is to be concerned, is to be our concern. And we are not to wait on the office bearers to do everything, but we are also to do our share while also knowing our limit and our responsibilities. The commitment to Christ's church involves commitment to the church of Christ. Commitment to Christ and commitment to Christ's church are one, as head and body are one. Does the church of Christ have also your concern, brothers and sisters? 
First of all, in your families, then also in the household of faith? Are you actively cherishing the church, loving the church, doing what you can for her, for the coming of God's glorious kingdom? Let's now look at the third point. There will be crosses on our path. Peter just confessed that he embraced the Lord Jesus with a sincere love, with a love that involves his soul, heart, mind, and strength, as much as that is humanly possible as a weak sinner. Having done so, the Lord Jesus not only tells him now to take up his task, to use what he has learned to shepherd, to guide, and to keep others in the faith, but also now prepares Peter that such a confession in Christ will come with a cost, will come with a price. And the Lord Jesus prophetically prepares Peter for his eventual martyrdom. Peter will serve the Lord Jesus to a ripe old age. But in the end, he will die with his hands stretched out, which is a euphemism that is a nice way of saying that Peter will die by crucifixion. And indeed, the history books will tell us that Peter was crucified, but that on his own request, he asked to be crucified upside down because he felt it unworthy to be crucified like his Lord Jesus. Now this literal carrying the cross, says the Lord Jesus, will be preceded by an experience in which Peter's self-will will be totally subdued so that he will be led where he did not want to go. Perhaps this applies to all who follow the Lord Jesus, office bearers and congregation members alike. The road to serving the Lord Jesus, whether in the special office as disciples, as Peter, Paul, and other disciples experienced it, or whether in the special office of the church today as, as a minister, elder, and deacon experienced it, or in the general office of all believers, as we all experience it, it will come with a price. It will come with a cost. Brothers, it cannot be otherwise. For this world is evil and it is unholy, while Christ is holy. And so we are, who are holy in Christ are likewise to live as, as people set apart, holy to the Lord, in his service to his praise and to his glory. Indeed, it is as the Lord Jesus once taught earlier, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross. Notice, take up his cross and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. You see, the Christian life is in this sense, in the words of John Calvin, a continual mortification. That is, we daily and in a thousand ways are to die to our self-will and only to the will of our Heavenly Father. Not I, but Christ, as the Apostle Paul wrote to the Galatians, is the essence of the Christian life. We should also note, brothers and sisters, that the words, follow me, is in the present imperative tense. Now, if there's any teachers among us, they will tell you that that means not a one-time action, but a continuous action. So we are to follow the Lord Jesus, not just when we choose to do so, not when things are easy to do so, but also when we don't like to follow him, when it's difficult to follow the Lord Jesus, but the Lord Jesus requires that of us, but that is how he wants us to glorify him. The Lord Jesus requires a sacrifice from the office bearers when he calls them to the special office through the election of the Holy Congregation. 
There's indeed a sacrifice for them and their families. But they are to do that as to the Lord. For so the Lord is pleased with our following him. But Christ is concerned for his church. And that should also be our concern. We are to follow Christ when he calls us to a special task. And that does not mean only the special office of office bearers. There are also other ways we can serve the bride of Christ, the church. For instance, when the Lord calls on you to follow him and assist the church in a particular function, in a particular committee, what would be your answer? We must be prepared to sacrifice for Christ. Have Christ concerned for his church as a high priority in our life of many priorities. The Lord Jesus also requires other sacrifices from us as Christians, as followers. Becoming a follower of Christ will come with a price. It means that you may be mocked, you may be laughed at, at work or at school, or because you will not participate in certain entertainment. However, follow Christ. Carry your cross proudly, brothers and sisters. Be thankful that you can sacrifice for his sake, for you sacrifice far more for your sake. Yes, a sacrifice for Christ can span the whole breadth of our human life. The entertainment that we tend, the friends that we go out with, the partner that we choose for life, the study that we take on in our colleges and universities, the jobs that we work at, the things that we would like to have but, but cannot because of the spiritual investment in the education of our children stands higher than the material possessions and investments. Yes, there, there will be many crosses on our paths and some will not be too difficult to carry, but others can be extremely difficult, especially because we also are inclined to compare ourselves to others. And that brings us to the last point. Each must follow Christ in their own genuine way. Yes, we all have that, that tendency of comparing ourselves to someone else, don't we? But doing so most often leads us to despair. The poet Asaph also struggled with that, with that in, in Psalm 73, as he compared his, his struggling life with the easy life of the ungodly. Until he went to the house of the Lord, then his eyes were opened and he saw how wonderful and gloriously he was blessed to be a child of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, it is very human of us to compare ourselves with others, not only with the neighbor down the street, but also with each other's brothers and sisters in the Lord. But Lord Jesus would be telling us here that that is not good. We are not to compare ourselves with others, but we must compare ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we do that, then we will come to the conclusion that our sacrifices are really so small and that we are still so very amazingly blessed, even though others may have more. Peter, receiving some insight about his future and that it will not be so rosy, that he will end up being crucified, now wants to know, what about his friend? John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Would John too? have to make such a sacrifice for the Lord? Or was it just for him? But Lord Jesus basically told Peter to mind his own business. That's none of your business, Peter. You just follow me. In fact, the Lord Jesus, very emphatically here, he uses the word you before follow me, which he has not done up to now. 
And so the Lord Jesus emphatically says to Peter, you must follow me, Peter. In other words, you must not let how I deal with others affect your service for me the way you are to follow me. No matter how I deal with others, you are to follow me willingly and cheerfully. Indeed, the ministries of Peter and John would be quite different. Peter would be more the shepherd. John more the prophet. Peter comes to us as a preacher. John comes to us as a writer. Peter would die in the agony of martyrdom. John would live on great old age and pass away quietly. Lord Jesus faces Peter with the reality that there are many others who are on the road with us to eternal glory. But each must follow Christ in his or own genuine way, according to the ability and opportunities and the calling the Lord lays on each of our lives. And each calling and gifts may be different, and we could be thankful to God for them too, for they can sometimes inspire us, encourage us, and challenge us, also from their learning and abilities. But in the end, our focus must remain on the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now, I'm not accustomed to telling stories from the pulpit, but I'm going to tell you this one story. It came across, it fits well, the application of the sermon. There was a young lady in the congregation that was upset. And she came to the pastor and said to the pastor, Pastor, I think I'm going to have to leave this congregation. I'm not happy here. So the pastor asked her, why? Well, when you're about to preach, I look around the congregation, and I see this young man, he's typing in his text on his cell phone, and obviously it's a young lady over there because she's kind of smiling. And I see another young couple there, and they're paying more attention to each other than to you. I see another person sitting there, he basically slouches back in his seat, and you might as well take a pillow along. I don't think I belong to this congregation. And the pastor said to, said to her, will you do one thing for me before you leave? If you leave. Will you take this glass of water, fill it to the brim, and walk all the way around the, the pews and bring it back to me? Can you do that? Sure, she said. I can do that. So he filled this glass to the brim, walked all the way around. All the way around. Brought her back to the pastor, the pastor sister. Now, what did you see? Nothing. I was so focused on not spilling a drop from this cup. That's how we have to follow the Lord Jesus, brothers and sisters. Don't worry about your brother and sister. Don't worry about the person on the street. You follow the Lord Jesus. That's your call on life. Sin must be dealt with indeed. You sin in your life, sin in your fellow member. And there will be crosses you need to bear, but follow the Lord Jesus in your unique, genuine way. For the Lord Jesus is alone is our master. To him we belong. To him alone we must give account. And so we are to live always and genuinely looking to the Lord Jesus. So we are to follow him, glorify him and our Heavenly Father for now and eternity. Amen.